0: this is a 3cr community radio podcast encyclopedia is broadcast every sunday from 2pm for more info on anything you hear in the show head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the encyclopedia program page
1: Good afternoon and welcome to uh, our 3CR Radiothon special on In Psychedelia this afternoon. Uh, if you would like to make a donation, 3cr.org.au forward slash donate or give uh, our uh, give the station a call on 94198377 and we've got plenty of people standing by ready to take donations. Uh, $250,000 is the target for 3CR and that's just to keep the lights on, just to keep the, uh, the gadgets working and... Uh, uh, everything else that needs to all, all, the, all the little things all the, all the things that make an organisation work uh, we have a um, uh, an all-star panel for you uh, a bit later in the show uh, and we'll be taking any questions and you can SMS your question to 0488 930 855 or uh, if you find us on Facebook or Twitter you're welcome to ask a question there uh, my name is Nick, uh, and we talk about a wide variety of uh, issues around drugs on this show. That's uh, what we're going to do, and we're going to start with um, a drug that often gets forgotten as a drug, uh, nicotine. Ash Blackwell, uh, who's usually here on the program, uh, is not here this week because he's in Warsaw right now uh, at the Global uh, global Nicotine Conference, I think it is, yeah, Global Nicotine Conference, uh, and he caught up with... Uh, he caught up with Jerry Stimson, who he described to me as sort of like a UK Alex Wodak. Um, so knows a lot about drug policy uh, and was the founder of an um, uh, organisation to promote uh, nicotine for uh, harm reduction for smokers. So the, the whole uh, gist here is that uh, uh, va- vaporising nicotine is a less harmful option than smoking tobacco. And uh, a lot of people have found uh, quite a uh, a lot of uh, use, utility from that method um, that they might not have been able to find from others, but it's still being very heavily regulated uh, across, across Australia and in other, other parts of the world. Um, you can't legally vape nicotine without a prescription in Australia. Um, and not many people are getting prescriptions for vaping because the doctors will put you on to nicotine replacement therapy first. They'll put you on to patches or gum or um, sprays or uh, that, uh, that drug, the Champix, Champix that uh, some people uh, take and there seems to be some... Uh, <laughs> Not not always good reports about the effects of that drug for uh, ceasing tobacco. So this is Ash from Warsaw speaking with uh, Jerry Stimson.
2: I'm Jerry Stimson and I'm a semi-retired public health researcher and uh, I've got a long history on drugs harm reduction going back three decades and I was around when the words harm reduction were first introduced because back then UK, Australia were faced with the fact that there was HIV where people injecting drugs didn't want to stop doing that so what can you do to help them reduce their risk so I've become a kind of a, a card carrying harm reductionist over the years and then maybe 6-7 years ago I heard about e-cigarettes and I thought well this is the solution to all the problems we've got with smoking and I thought all my public health colleagues would agree with me and it would be simple and straightforward, and it certainly wasn't. Hence, a lot of the things I've been engaged with, like the Global Forum on, on the hmm And that started, this is the fifth it's one, is it? The fifth, yeah. I mean, where we are sitting now, in January, five years ago, we were saying, well, should we do this? You know, is it a crazy idea? Would anybody come? And we had the first conference here five years ago, and it's gone from strength to strength. And we this year, 500 people from 60, 60 countries, absolutely staggering, who are all here to talk about um, tobacco harm reduction.
3: So what's been the biggest change over those five years, I guess, both at the conference and in, in the space more broadly? I think that we
2: are making some inroads i think we're claiming the narrative you know the story about tobacco and and nicotine and i think australia has done that very successfully because two or three years ago the narrative was grasped by the antis but now most of the media stories are much more positive i mean you've got a crazy situation where it's illegal to sell possess or use nicotine and the potential fine is the same as the fine for possessing heroin. You know, I think it's more in, in, in some yeah, jurisdictions. So how crazy can that be? Yeah. You know, with a substance like nicotine, which is pretty innocuous. So, um, I think we're making some inroads. And, and the whole point of this event is to bring together a lot of people who are interested in this area. But you know, sometimes are not necessarily comfortable about talking with each other, so the whole way we've run this event is to try to make it open to all stakeholders. There's too much, in this field, there's too much kind of censorship and almost apartheid, you know. Mm-hmm. People are not allowed to talk to people making tobacco products and you know, all that sort of nonsense. So. Uh, there are lots of issues that have developed well, but that's the main reason we have this event, is to try to bring
3: people together who really need to talk with each other. Yeah, and so we had um, tobacco companies here, that's, yeah. that that might seem strange yes. to our listeners. Yes. Do you maybe want to um, yeah. contextualize that? Like, yeah. what? why are they here? How do they fit into the picture?
2: Well, it feels strange for me, because seven or eight years ago, you know, like all public health people, I thought the tobacco industry was the devil, you know? You don't talk with these people because tobacco industry, alcohol industry, you know, a lot of public health is against industry of any sort, any industry producing things that people like using. So um, I found it very strange to talk with people from tobacco companies who are getting interested in safer nicotine products. I mean, I should say that they are not the dominant players you know, some people say they're, you know, it's a big tobacco industry plot, but they're, they're late catch up players. But yeah, um, to my mind, if tobacco companies are almost false, forced into this space, they're losing sales of cigarettes and they see other companies selling e cigarettes or heat not burn devices. If they are forced into this space and they feel impelled to sell, e-cigarettes their motive is profit but there's a public health benefit from Mm it you know because a lot of my public health colleagues kind of think that's a crazy idea because they think they should never engage with these people but it's like um let's say a car manufacturer comes along and says i want to sell safer cars you know you wouldn't say yeah i'm not going to talk to you about that because consumers want safer cars, and if someone's going to make safer cars, should encourage that.
3: And uh, you're from the UK? Yeah. Things in the UK look a lot more positive from outside of the world. How do they look for you? There was a time when the UK and
2: Australia and a few European countries were all ahead of the game compared with the rest of the world on drugs harm reduction. Yeah. That's no longer the case with tobacco harm reduction, and I, 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 you know, it's great that in the UK we have government acceptance, acceptance from the public health leadership. Uh, So these, uh, you know, there's a lot of support for tobacco harm reduction at a government level, and uh, Australia's got a little bit of catch up, but.
0: Why not pledge your support now? Just text the word DONATE to 0488 930 855. That's 0488 930 855. 3CR, fight for your mic.
3: It's been quite strange for me because I've come from like drug policy activism yes. more broadly. Yes. I'm used to being well-respected as an Australian because we have a pretty proud history there. Yeah. Um, and coming here... Certainly, it was very apparent that Australia is is the country that everybody looks at and goes, geez, guys, why are you doing that? Yeah, well, Ash will help you. (laughs) 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 No, joking. It is strange
2: because uh, many people working in drug policy or drugs harm reduction, drug policy reform, many of the kind of top level public health people get that but they don't get tobacco harm reduction that's one of the mysteries
3: yeah right and so you've you've obviously got both the the experience now of both why do you think that is that in the broader harm reduction movement globally they haven't embraced tobacco harm reduction with with the enthusiasm that you know maybe like you you would think that they might with the potential benefit there
2: I think that um, at a kind of public health level they're scared of what this is and they didn't invent it. It didn't come from them and most public health people have a great, spend a lot of time trying to raise money for big projects to persuade people to do, you know, behave differently. So it, it kind of came from left field, you know. So they don't actually have much of a role in this. We can come back to that. So that's, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't own it and it's all running without their influence. That's one thing. But in terms of uh, drugs harm reductionists, a lot of my colleagues working on HIV, HCV, I find it a little bit sad that they haven't embraced wider harm reduction. Not only for tobacco, but they've kind of neglected the alcohol. <laughs> We've got harm reduction silos. You know, yeah, we've got yeah. drugs harm reduction, alcohol harm reduction, sex harm reduction. So it's uh, this idea
3: within the drug policy space that harm reduction means the reduction of bloodborne virus exactly, transmission. Exactly, yeah,
2: very narrow. I mean, I, you know, I was involved in that with the International yeah. Harm Reduction Association and I know they see that they've got huge priorities and mm-hmm. huge battles and they don't want to take other battles but I think that more horizontal harm reduction you see what I mean, like linking between drugs harm reduction, alcohol harm reduction, tobacco harm reduction, sex harm a lot of things, a lot of benefit you gain by linking up because incredibly similar
3: battles yeah and um, I guess highlights from GFN 2018 um, highlights a lot of highlights
2: uh, involvement of consumers uh, getting the science right science communication uh, plus some things which people have not thought about a lot and uh, there was a very good presentation on nicotine therapeutics, therapeutic aspects of nicotine. Mm-hmm. And there's developing work on, uh, on uh, nicotine as a preventive uh, dementia. Yeah. So that science is beginning to open up. Once you separate the nicotine from the nasty stuff and the smoke, you can, begin, you can begin to think about nicotine as a very different kind of drug. So therapeutically, you can look at that, but also rethinking nicotine because once you get rid of the dangerous delivery system, mm-hmm. kind of what kind of drug is this? Is it really as addictive as, it? it's not really an addictive drug, you know, addiction is dependence of problems mm-hmm. to yourself or to others, but once you take out the problems, you're left with something which maybe we have to deal with a little bit like coffee. And that is what we're kind of maybe heading towards, that uh, we can actually cope with this drug like any other drug we, we, we cope with. So you can begin to think about, yeah, well, actually some people like using it. I, mean, I don't smoke. I've tried to smoke. I've tried to use e-cigarettes They don't work for me, but I respect anybody who wants to make that choice. Once you take out the stupid way of getting this drug by burning it and make it safer to use, then is it really such a an issue. It may be a moral issue or a religious issue or whatever, but does it really matter
3: if people want to use nicotine? It doesn't matter. Congratulations on a fantastic conference and uh, thanks for joining us on Encyclopedia Radio. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
4: Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 9419 8377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to.
1: 3CR Community Radio 855 AM, 3CR Digital, and 3CR.org.au. This is in Psychedelia, and it is Radiothon time. Uh, thank you so far to donations from Sam, $25 from Sam, Chris, $5 from Chris uh, Letherby, uh, Bell Porter, $50. Thank you very much, Belle, uh, da- David Potzy $35, Judith Ryan from the Victoria Street Drug Solutions Group, $50, and Nevada Sporovska, who is uh, part of Unharm and behind many other. Campaigns thirty dollars and also thank you Greg Denham twenty five dollars um and he's sitting across from me in the studio right now we've got a bit of a uh, uh a panel of uh, of guests this afternoon um I'll um introduce everyone right now and then we'll get into some conversation so uh, I have uh, Glenn I don't know your last name Glenn uh, Woodworth <laughs> Glenn Woodworth who's yep. um over here from the University of Montana uh, in the US studying harm reduction uh. Uh, and philosophy yeah philosophy into. and
5: math is my major but uh, we'll get it we'll get yeah. into this in a tick uh yeah. Gr- greg denham
1: from Yara drug and health forum uh nick kent from students for sensible drug policy uh rachel hopkins from fitzroy legal surface steph janiti from genetis uh, from from Dancewise. Uh, and that is our um panel this afternoon now we'll start with you glenn because uh you've come all the way over uh, the other side of the world yeah um, it's great to be you're here a philosophy student and you want to know about um, Australian harm reduction like how, how did this why did you why Australia well <laughs> that's a
5: question I got asked so many times when I was like preparing to come here and like uh, applying for scholarships to do this project and it was hard to pin down it was like uh, philosophy was really drawing me to look at the problems in uh, policy and with drug policy in the U.S. because there's, like, such a discourse, like, disconnect. People just talk past each other, so uh, it's not really productive discussion. And so I I looked at Australia, and I saw it as a place that had this national uh, idea of what they should be doing. But then when I, like, looked into it, it seemed like each state sort of had, like, their own spin on it and so it was uh it, it intrigued me and it seemed like they were doing some some things right because they at least had different things going on and they were uh having a productive discussion about it it seemed like so i wanted to look at the philosophy behind uh all of those projects
1: anything that you've found so far in your conversations with people uh, working across yeah production? i found
5: out that it it's not what it seems like. Everything's more complicated than it seems. But when you come and you look at like the implementation, it doesn't seem like uh, there's really much going on. There's like a, such a disconnect between what people are actually teaching about drugs and the national policy. It's uh, yeah,
1: And um, we've got Nick Kent here from Students for Sensible Drug Policy, but Nick, you're also um, studying... Uh, well, tell us about what yeah. you're
5: studying. <laughs>
6: um, yeah, so it was really cool to meet Glenn because this is kind of my one of my favourite areas to look into as a teacher. Um, and I looked at the drug ed kind of curriculum and kind of broad policy framework, or lack thereof, um, in my thesis last year. And so it was really interesting to see, hear Glenn come out as someone who's... Um, interested in the kind of veneer of harm reduction drug education that Australia has technically had going for a good couple of decades really. Um, uh, and it's really complex and it's not, you wouldn't call it true harm reduction and how like sort of um, traditional user focused harm reduction as we might know it has been translated to like the school population's really complex and wrought with um, really interesting politics and stuff like that. And essentially like without you, you know, there's a lot of emerging research on it um, from from a lot of local researchers, um, and I could go on about it forever. But essentially, the messages tend to boil without a whole lot of evaluation. We don't really know what's done in, in schools because it's That's a very, been a very a fragmented. Problems, yeah. yeah, it's been very fragmented to the local level um, mm-hmm. through the policy framework. Um, and um, a set, what we do know of the dominant messages that seem to go out through policy documents and classroom resources and stuff like that is. Um, we do harm reduction drug education. Drugs are really harmful. Reduce your harm by not taking them. Um, And we're going to give you skills of resilience and refusal to live a healthy life, basically, is Mm. the the message. So it's just a really complex dressing up of abstinence messages. It sort
1: of sounds Mm. nice, right? Because it's all about prevention and trying to stop people from being harmed in the first place. But is it effective? I mean, uh, Mm. it seems like people are still taking drugs. Yeah,
5: um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seemed like from the philosophy philosophical standpoint it was like uh they were still attaching morals to all the drugs and so it's like doesn't seem like the best way to go about it Uh, but it's certainly interesting to see like we just need the research on it to see how it's actually working but it hasn't Mm. been done Um, greg
7: denham yeah i was just going to say that's interesting because you know that's a narrative that we hear from the police as well that's identical to the messaging that we get from police that um Drugs are illegal because they are harmful, so therefore you shouldn't take them. Mm. And um, if you do, then you have to um, accept the consequences. So that seems to be that sort of very narrow, focused, Mm. this is is the extent of our responsibility. We're not going to take it any further. Otherwise, Mm. we might be condoning drug use mm. you know if we actually take it a step further and that's
1: yeah. that's the obsession in all of these policy discussions to not mm-hmm. look like we're condoning drug use in fact even broadcasting here on the radio as part of the broadcasting services act you are one of the things that you're not not allowed to do you're not allowed to sort of glorify suicide you're not allowed to uh you know there's a few things that you go oh that makes sense and you're not allowed to uh, be seen in a way to be permissive to drug use mm. which a lot of people take as you're not allowed to speak honestly about drugs you yeah. always need to Talk about mm. the harms and the horrors, exactly. And that, yeah, you know, and it, it completely weights a discussion in in one uh direction without yeah. uh without an honest conversation, and that leads people away from good messages about reducing harm, and then people mm. just reject everything instead mm-hmm. of uh instead of mm. understand it yeah. a bit
6: better. And I think totally, hundred percent. I think it's it doesn't surprise me that that's the kind of conversation in the police law enforcement Um, I suppose the the thing I'd say to that is that like we know that's like the infrastructure of the war on drugs and that's you know you're going to accept that from the police but what I don't think we should and not that we should accept that but that's what's happening but what we don't ex- even acknowledge is happening in schools is that we're presenting that same model in a space that's supposed to be about education and critical analysis and questioning and learning and understanding. Whereas, where, the, um, and that happens across large areas of the curriculum, it's generally pretty good. But as soon as it comes to drugs, it's very much like a party line that has to be towed mm. um, that is. Um, not so much governed by policy, but governed by what pe- teachers think they have to say, and governed by the prospect of a Herald Sun headline if they say something wrong. And and so, um, so it's it's almost like it's it's not written.
1: It's not written mm. that it should be like this, but it's everyone's fear for mm. looking like they're sending the wrong message. Yeah. And as you say, Herald Sun headline or yeah. something and like that.
6: In in the absence of like a, a a proper curriculum, which is starting to emerge in places like Canada, where um, uh, like. Rather than like a, a harm-focused approach, um, experiences like that come from drugs, of which harm can be a part, are presented sort of neutrally, and it's not like like I mean, the general message can boil, again, kind of boil down to like you don't have to say drugs are bad, you don't have to say drugs are good, you don't really, we don't really need to take a moral stance yeah. on drugs. Mm-hmm. We can just say hey, drugs are really complicated, and let's educate about it all yep. from every angle. Yeah,
7: we did actually take that kind of approach in Victoria during the mid nineteen nineties with the yeah. individual school drug education strategy. Yeah, right. we, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we had a fantastic um, you know, programme of um, curriculum development and policy development in schools. What happened? Uh, but like a lot of things, it just lapsed. Right. You know, once once the once the heroin problem kind of became solved as far as people were concerned, you know, people, you know, less had a lot visible reduction yeah. in, mm-hmm. in heroin deaths, um, the whole yeah. kind of harmonization um, approach cutting across a range of agencies including police education um, etc it just kind of fell by the wayside it mm. was sort of mm. you know well our job's done we can now move on to something else mm. and
1: and and it's frustrating because it seems like um, too, too often harm reduction uh, policy or the fervour for it, especially from politicians is only driven by deaths. It's only driven by people actually just dying. Mm. And, and it, it takes until that end that they'll actually do something about it or, mm. or, or start to listen to people that are saying hey, I know a way to maybe make this a, a bit less shit.
7: <laughs> and, and the narrative was certainly captured in the late 90s, early 2000s by John Howard, mm-hmm. who was vehemently opposed to harm minimization and took a moral Stand mm. against anything to do with harmonisation. Mm. You know, he said it sends the wrong message, putting up the white flag. We almost had a heroin prescribing trial in yep. um, Canberra in the late nineties. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. but it was he knocked it on the head, and uh, it was just his imposition of his particular views. Um, in in the in the policy area that are impacted on on high minimization mm. um, in australia and yeah. and, uh, and
1: we 've still got the leftovers of that yeah, it's yeah. sitting around uh places it 's not it 's not yeah. as um institutionalized as it was it 's fragmented but it's the still legacy there.
7: is still there for sure the legacy you know impacts upon policy mm-hmm. and law today yeah.
1: It is Radiothon time. If you would like to make a donation to 3CR, the phone number is 94198377, or alternatively, you can go online, 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Thank you to Jules Dazzle, who has just donated $20. Uh, we are sitting here right now with uh, Glenn uh, from the University of Montana, Greg Denham from Yarra Drug and Health Forum, uh, Forum uh, Nick Kent from Students for Sensible Drug Policy, uh, Rachel Hopkins from Fitzroy Legal Service, and uh, Steph. Uh, actually, maybe we should uh, bring you to a to the to the mic now. Um, so Rachel, you work <laughs> <you>. with uh, <laughs> with uh, Fitzroy Legal Service. You're the principal lawyer there. That's correct. I am. Yep. Um, so you you uh, obviously see uh, through Fitzroy Legal Service a lot of people. Um, I'm imagining with fairly uh, small charges around drugs. Like what what sort of uh, do do you see a lot of people. Coming through with small possession type charges and what happens when somebody gets charged with possession?
4: Look, I'm not sure of the exact stats um, regarding the people who engage with our service, but we do have a night service and a day service who does assist people who are affected by or who have charges for drug matters. Look, effectively, um, a person can be charged with possession or use, for example, and possession could be either on them or on their property, for example, their car or their house. When it comes to uh, the amount of drug, to determine whether or not that's a personal uh, amount, that's determined by the actual drug that is alleged to be found on that person.
1: And there's a whole list of all different amounts, and the the amounts are just sort of. Uh, pulled out of nowhere? <laughs> is there a process to? Do you know if there's a process to figuring that out? Or is it a political thing?
4: Look, I, I don't know, to be honest. I rely heavily upon that schedule that's attached to the act. Yep, yep. Um, and rely on you that. Know upon how to that. work from it. Exactly. Don't know where it came from. Exactly. <laughs> I can't. I'm not in a position to answer that, but I'm sure yeah. there are reasons behind it. I,
1: I've, I've had a look around, and it doesn't seem to be very good reasons. <laughs> but yeah,
4: <laughs> reasons nevertheless. Yeah, reasons. Yep. Uh, look, if a person does get charged with possession or use, obviously it is always good to see a. Lawyer mm. at first instance because they can assist,
1: and that's uh, Fitzroy Legal Service for those living in City of Yarra. City of Yarra, that's correct. Yep. Our
4: night service, however, uh, you can come from anywhere within Victoria to come and see us and get some initial advice regarding those charges, depending upon whether or not it's your first time offence. Uh, or whether or not you have um, prior criminal history regarding drug use will often depend upon this sort of penalty that you may be looking at, but there are the potential of what they call a diversion program, where that is effectively diverting you away from the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. So it gives people the opportunity to be able to take responsibility for their actions without admitting guilt, and you don't get a criminal record.
1: And this is this is where um, we, we almost have a sort of de facto, um, but case-by-case case kind of decriminalisation with the um, diversion program, mm. um, but it is case by case and uh, not everyone will be able to get a diversion? Like, do you have to do something special to get a diversion?
4: There will be conditions attached. Usually it is for first-time offenders. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, potentially there would be room to negotiate if you have been uh, found guilty before. However, technically it is for first-time offenders. And the conditions attached will be predominantly dependent upon the individual Mm -hmm. and what the police or the informant believes would be necessary in that matter. Often it includes things like donations, potentially attending counselling for drug and alcohol.
1: Uh, Do do you know, uh, is there one service provider for counselling or do you get to go and choose your own counsellor for that sort of thing or how does that...
4: Potentially, yes, you could. There okay. are a number of services available through in the communities mm-hmm. uh, depending on where you are in your catchment area and you can, with the assistance of a lawyer, for example, or even court support programs, you can find something that may suit you and what you want to achieve through that program, but you can also engage in your own personal rehabilitation.
1: And this is um, this is important because I think a lot of people don't know what to do if they get a charge. That's uh, A lot of people just don't um, understand what the laws are, what their rights are, what their responsibilities are, and it can it can scare people. people it can, can be very scary, and food. that's
4: why I do encourage people to not be scared, uh, to take that first step, to visit an organisation like Fitzroy Legal Service and speak to other lawyers and get that initial advice because it can help you provide a plan of how you can move forward and tackle the issues and hopefully get the best result possible.
1: For those listening that might like to contact Fitzroy, legal service um, phone number website
4: we do have a website you can uh type in fitzroy legal service into a google machine and i believe it will come up it straight will, away yeah. <laughs> um i apologize i don't know the number off the top of my head but i will find it in the break uh, and i can provide I'll, that i'll find it i oh, thank we, you very much
1: quickly <laughs> um now we've also got uh steph sitting across from uh rachel uh steph yeah. um maybe uh i mean you've been involved recently with uh the stay safe initiative which uh conducted pill testing at uh groove the moo mm-hmm. um How how's uh, how are movements going in the background for more uh, pill testing, and is it just going to be the ACT or what do we know at this stage? I
8: think uh, the the word complex sums it up quite nicely, (laughs) like because there's lots of um, and fragmentation is another word uh, that Nick used before. Um, You know, there's overlapping jurisdictions in this country that uh, make reform really difficult Um, and there are uh, powers that be in favour and against and some of the, and some hesitation which is quite reasonable as in like let's make sure we do this properly Mm. and then there's some kind of deliberate fear mongering to just put a little bit of doubt to by time, I think it's it's completely in flux. Um, but like in regards to Canberra, like that was an interagency collaborative um, service delivery where there was the support of the government, the health minister, um, police the health service like the promoters like the participants it everyone was, was everyone it. needs to be on board for yep. something to work effectively I like the analogy of like imagine if you were considering uh, like you had a lemonade stall the lemonade be- stall being lemonade a, a stand, metaphor yes. for like a pill testing service and whether or not people are going to come and um, have some of your lemonade may be impacted by whether or not you're, you've set up your stall next to a hive of killer bees you know like if yeah. you've got Two um, to competing kind of services, like something like a sniffer dog operation um, inside the same event that has like a progressive um, evidence-based around the world harm reduction service, um, the efficacy of that service cannot like uh, really show itself Um with that kind of uh, counter um, service, but also a one-off is never going to be the measure of the efficacy of harm reduction because mm. everyone's got to lean into it. And you're talking about um, you're talking about uh, interagency collaboration. So yeah, that's what's needed. And That's, that's need, the hard yeah. part,
1: I guess. That's because that's a diplomatic game in the end, and everybody needs to agree. And but there's a lot of agendas because yeah. uh, drug there's policy a, is such a, a a broad and open space. There aren't
8: clear answers. It seems like there's not
1: clear answers, but there are. But
8: <laughs> like One thing I'd like to highlight for people, and I only learned this very recently because one thing about the Victorian jurisdiction is that um, use is a summary offence. And possession of under a certain amount is uh, for, considered for personal use. Now Victoria has that. Another Some,
1: uh, summary offence means
8: use. Uh, sorry, it just means it's like, uh, yeah. Oh, it, can, <laughs> it can be heard in the magistrate's court.
1: Okay, sure. So that's the, the lowest court, Correct. really. Yep, yep.
5: Okay.
0: And
8: and if you don't show up, they d- like you don't necessarily have to show up, but
4: like it's not an offence in and of itself. But it's highly recommended that you.
0: Do yeah, it. yeah. I, I, I so yeah. think I've had
5: experience. you can be summons to appear. Yep. Mm. Uh,
4: or you can be placed on bail, which is a promise to the court to appear. So I think before you make a decision about whether or not to attend court, once again I know it seems to be harping the issue, but it is very important to talk to lawyers um, and whoever you find that you trust to discuss those issues with. I
1: I had an experience um, up in Queensland myself where um, I uh, had uh, the roadside drug testing I was not high, but unfortunately the way that uh, roadside drug testing works is it's going to pick up things that you might have uh, had days ago. Mm. The police officer was very uh, polite with me, but I did have to go back up to Ipswich for a court date. But because I did that, uh, the judge was um, very good on me and gave me the lowest possible... charge that she could give me mm-hmm. um so and if it you does, couldn't it does afford count.
8: to make the trip back up to queensland the outcome might have been quite different for you.
1: yeah luckily i um i was able to wangle it as a work thing at the time so <laughs> that <laughs> helped um it is <laughs> it is uh 3cr community radio 855 am uh, 3cr digital and 3cr.org.au um, the number for fitzroy legal service quickly is 9419 that's 9419 uh Right now we're uh, speaking with uh, a, a panel of guests, um, but we're going to speak with uh, Sam Sajavka uh, after the uh, quick break. about. Uh, so he runs the HEPLog, uh, which is a, a blog on hep C uh, from Harm Reduction Victoria. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about the missing masses, those uh, who still have hep C even though now it's treatable, and the government has thrown a whole bunch of money into um, making sure that it's going to be treatable, if you would like to donate, it is three CR Radiothon. We are um, our target is seven hundred and fifty. We have two hundred and thirty dollars so far, so we're looking for uh, anything that you can donate. Nine four one nine eight three double seven. That's nine four one nine eight three double seven. This is in psychedelia.
4: you wondering how to pay your donation you can pay online by going to 3cr.org.au or call us on 9419 you can also visit us in person at 21 smith street fitzroy and pay by cash check or EFTPOS. or we'll simply post your check or money order to post office box 1277 collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to
8: 3cr radio for
9: change
0: I know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids and come in black, white, grey and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 9419 8377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one.
1: 3CR Community Radio, 855am, 3 Digital and 3cr.org.au. Uh, here for the Radiothon, 94198377 if you can donate. Uh, but right now on the line from Harm Reduction Victoria, uh, the writer of the Hepalogue, uh, the blog on hep C and the elimination effort, because it is treatable now, Sam Sajavka Sam, welcome to the program.
9: Uh, good morning, afternoon.
1: How are you doing? <laughs> good, good. Now, tell us about... The missing masses; those, uh, or the the efforts to treat Hep C, and um, those who are still missing from the treating uh, treated picture.
9: Well, this time last year, around the time of World Hepatitis Day, which sort of focuses the message, we H R J V we um, put on a big hullabaloo called Libertonic, Um because it's celebrating the end of Hep C because. We figured everybody would go out and get cured and that would be it. But unfortunately, a year later, it's not quite the case. And, you know, every month, fewer and fewer people getting treated. And of the, um, I don't know, it's something like 240,000 people with Hep C in Victoria at the start of the new medications, only uh, a fifth of that have been treated or even less. And we, we're sitting there with about 180,000, uh, between 150 and 180,000 people who just aren't treated, can't be found, and, you know, we're trying to draw attention to that and why that might be.
1: So how how does this treatment work? Is it, it's a, it's a cure, is it? Have we cured it?
9: <laughs> yeah, well, generally, it's, you know, in the high 90s, something like that, it's just a... It's uh, getting down to 8 weeks, lucky if it's 8, eight weeks, 8 to 12 weeks of pill a day, simple as that.
1: And it's um, supported by the government, I think we might be one of the only places in the world that has um, such yeah, large support. Yeah, we, we, were cer-
9: we were certainly the first to, to do it, which is um, I have to um, commend Susan Lay, the ex-health minister, for that, because it was a really big, big thing. And now there are, I think there are other countries that are almost um, at our level. But we treat everyone because we're looking to eliminate it. Some countries only treat if the disease has sort of progressed to a pathological level, (laughs) um, which will inevitably happen to most people by the end of their lives. And we're, we're just trying to work out who they might be. And one of the interesting things is... In Australia, take these 150,000 people, most of them, the vast majority, got it through injecting drug use at some time in their life, while in America, it's mainly um, through medical transmission, through vaccinations and medical procedures because they that's, brought that's... it back after World War Two. We brought it back after um, Vietnam from <laughs> From um, the Americans, strangely enough, um, and so by that stage, there was never uh, there was never really a chance for it to get into our population generally. So it didn't it didn't um, spread through medical transmission. It just wasn't a prevalence, but there was amongst injecting drug users. And so there's a lot of them out there. They think a lot of them may have been occasional or single time users who you know because there was so much hep C in the population of injecting drug users it that they're almost certain to get it <laughs> and um yeah, they need to come forward and um and it's it's very very difficult question so- like. Stigma plays a part. It, uh, like
1: that, that is that is the hard marriages. part. But for for anyone that's listening who um, might be somebody that has Hep C or has a friend or a uh, relative, um, what 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 can you do to get treatment? Where do you go?
9: You can just go to your GP. You should, uh, like uh, that's being pushed a lot. Even um, nurse practitioners. Um, there's so many channels now that you um, you can get. Um, Get treatment. Um, traditionally, it's been the liver clinics at the major hospitals, but it's become very widespread. And um, most GPs should be able to do it for you. And if they can't, just go to another one.
1: See your doctor. It's um, as simple as that.
9: Simple as pie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sam, uh, thank you very much for joining us on in psychedelia this afternoon.
9: Oh, no problems. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have any final um, things you want to add. <laughs> Um, well, not really, not really. Just just that if you're sitting out there and you think you might have injected once when you were really drunk in your twenties, um, and the seventies and eighties, because um, a predilection for seventies and eighties rock and roll is one of the um, official categories of likely people to have Hep C. So, um, you know, like even if you did it once. You know, and you're getting to your 50s, feeling aches and pains. It might not be age. It could be hefty. So, you know, just get a a test.
1: Go see your doctor. Thank you very much, Sam. My message is... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. All right. Sam <laughs> okay. is also the uh the golden phaeton author of the hepologue hrvic.org.au forward slash the hyphen hepologue. Uh, or just go to the hrvic.org.au website and you can find uh the hepolog where Sam uh, traces the e- efforts to eliminate Hep C uh, in Australia. This is Encycadelia on three C R Community Radio. If you would like to donate, nine four one nine eight three double seven uh is the phone number. <laughs>
4: 3CR needs you. Fight for your mic and donate to 3CR's annual Radiothon.
0: 3CR Radiothon 2018 Fight for your mic. Radio, Call
4: 9419 8377 or go to 3cr.org.au.
1: 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au, 9419 8377 is the phone number. Uh, target of $750. I've um, Some other other shows uh, have absolutely smashed targets. I was looking, I think, Earth Matters um, got up to 1000 $1,100. Uh, we're asking for any little bit, $5, $10. If you can give more, that's great, but little bits do help. If you can just donate that little bit, it all helps to keeping the lights on, the power going, everything operating at 3CR, uh, you can donate online as well, 3cr.org.au uh, forward slash donate. Um, talking, uh, actually, uh, Steph, we, we we didn't quite finish a point before uh, when we were talking about summary offences, uh, and I got sidetracked asking what a summary offence is. But and here
8: I am trying to donate using my <laughs> phone. So, um, oh, um, I was just saying... I, I've always been fascinated by that distinction because uh, in Victoria we have a uh, use as a standalone offense. and it's only been in the last fortnight that I've been looking to see what is the what are the um, comparable offenses in other states and territories. There's only one other state that has use as a standalone offense. Um, and then it's quite common in uh, to have use, possession, And possession of certain paraphernalia, like catalogued in one single um, section. Um, And then I've also seen some states or territories that just do not have use as um, an offence at all. So So, it's more to do with being in possession of the drug or being in possession of things to use a drug or the behaviour that you do to get drugs or while on drugs and not use and so you could harmonise on that point alone and then that might change philosophically um, people's concept of use compared to other drug related criminal activity. So, yeah. it's, it's
1: interesting uh, a bit of a a, a legal uh, quandary and uh, I mean why did why do things end up that way? That's the question you you go <laughs> uh, back and you oh read Hansard and you <laughs> <else> on <laughs> well I, I've been uh, I've been intrigued uh, lately by uh, looking back at Hansard from the nineteen sixties Victorian Hansard oh, um, okay. when the when um, uh, <laughs> psychedelics <do> <laughs> were first prohibited uh, in Victoria and it all it all followed a, a moral panic that sort of uh, came across from the US um, there was an inquiry that had just happened a couple of years before um because the the drug laws uh used to be a poisons act and the poisons act was more about regulating all the different poisons uh, a lot to do with farmers and things like that the drugs got um or various um psychoactive substances got put in there it was largely plant ones so cannabis and opium and cocaine um At the time, but uh, as as time went on, I mean, this is the thing. uh, Prohibition is this incremental creep. There's this assumption that if it gets too high, then it has to be illegal, apart from the ones that um, you know uh, are already legal. Uh, But there's no there's no sort of it's not there's no scientific underpinning. The, the discussions that happen in Hansard have absolutely nothing to do with real harm and everything to do with repeating whatever's uh, on the front page of a newspaper. And it's been it's that way now, and it's been that way since the 1960s at least, and I'm sure if I read back further, it'd, yeah. Yeah, it, it'd, <laughs> yeah. it'd probably go, um, go back further. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought well, that was interesting it's,
4: it's important i think for the criminal justice sector to work very closely in partnership with health justice and to look at it also from sort of a legal and non-legal perspective and how that can inform decisions that are made both for the individual but also on a policy and a larger public interest level
1: exactly it's it's um it's a game of getting more informed really it's not mm. it's not it's not that hard. I think that's a, a pretty sensible thing to do in, in any space, really. Um, we've also got Penny Hill, who uh, walked in a little bit later, got stuck yep. in the uh, rainpocalypse outside. <laughs> um, but uh, Penny, you're the former uh, SSDP president, but you're currently doing a PhD. What is your PhD topic? Yeah. Reminds me.
0: Um, I'm doing my PhD at the Burnett Institute. I'm looking at the impacts of health service utilisation on people who inject drugs uh, um, in terms of overdose incidents or opioid overdose incidents in particular.
1: And you're about... Halfway through, a third of the way through?
0: No, so a I've got my um, confirmation, my PhD confirmation this week, which is my one year milestone.
1: And yeah. how, how long is that? Uh, I'm not sure what the length of a PhD uh, is, or is it sort years? of a, as long <laughs> as it is a string?
0: Hopefully three years, maybe four, hopefully yeah. not much more than that. <laughs> uh, any
1: interesting findings so far? The, anything that you've uh, I'm come still across?
0: Not quite that's in the like initial stage of pulling everything together and working out how I'm going to do all of my analyses. But um focus of my work is actually on a cohort study where we have a big uh, record linkage component. So I'll be linking data from the Medicare, um, uh, from MBS, PBS, the National Death Register... Victorian ambulance data, emergency minimum data sets, all of these big data sets um, to people's self-report data of which health services they're using, basically to work out uh, what health services are actually helpful in preventing overdose, like what services people are using and they're not ending up overdosing.
1: Very so. specific. I suppose that's what PhDs are. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but I was going to say um, the last time I came on the show, I was talking about some of the United Nations, um, the Commission right. on Narcotic Drugs stuff, and I will be able to come on in a couple of weeks because we'll have a bit of an update. Um, last time I spoke, I just come back from the annual session in Vienna, and we kind of uh, didn't really know what was happening in the lead up to next year, where the actual drug UN drug conventions get reviewed and the goals kind of for the future of the UN Office of Drugs and Crime, uh, you know, their targets on reducing harm or reducing drug use or wh- whatever the targets will be. They'll be yeah. reset next year. Um, so we left the session this year, not really sure how, how that session was going to work and how much civil society or I guess non-government um, interaction there'd be at that session. So there's an intersessional s- session. coming up next week where we'll hopefully get a bit more information of how people can get involved. And we're going to be doing, um, myself and a couple of other members from civil society around the country are going to be doing some consultations with other members, community organisations, researchers, anybody basically who's not government, um, to work out what, um, you know, to get the voices heard of other people who don't get to go to the UN and (laughs) talk about these things. This is
1: the interesting thing about... um I mean, it's probably this way for a lot of policies, but it seems like drug policy in particular—it is a global affair. Mm. Um, and there are these treaties that the United Nations uh, has on uh, most of the uh, most of the United Nations members, all the everyone that's a signatory to these um, uh, various treaties, which uh, expect the government uh, of the the signer to uh, implement certain yeah. laws and, and then uh, stick by it. Uh, in Canada, Canada is just about to legalize cannabis. Yeah. It looks like it's another few months off. They've got a whole bunch of amendments and debate to go through. Um, but uh, Canada will have to deal with the uh, United Nations questions. Uruguay did as well. I think they just um, didn't they pull out from. Can't remember what what they exactly haven't happened. pulled
0: out. I, th- I think Bolivia had to pull out with the coca leaf. That's right. Things, yes, but then they, they were. Allowed to come back in. I'm not actually sure of the details of that. Yeah, um, but, is- but it will be a really interesting session next year. So, 10 years ago, when they did the same kind of High-level session. The goals that were set were, you know, eradication of drug use, like stopping <laughs> drug trafficking completely by 2019. And Didn't we all that know happen. that they, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have not even not met those goals. They're actually there's a lot more opposite, yeah, yeah. <laughs> drug yeah. use and drug think, trafficking yeah. and things these days. It was like a drug-free world. We can do it. That, yes, oh, that, that was, that was <laughs> yeah. That was 98, and then mm. there was 2009 along similar lines, but we're really hoping in the last 10 years, or the last few years that I've been there especially, there's been a lot of interaction um, with the WHO who are for decriminalisation. It's the UN Office of Drugs and Crime that um, isn't so for like so for that and all the drugs issues comes through them, not the WHO. So we're seeing hmm. a lot more high-level interaction of... Um, health officials and different governments bringing in health officials, Australia does it really well. They balance their delegation between the Federal Police and the Department of Health. Good. We're starting to see a lot more health talk there, which is you can't really have a goal of... Um, Reading the world of drugs when you're coming at it from a health perspective so hopefully we have some progression on that.
1: We've just uh, got about five minutes left if you want to make a donation 94198377 or you can jump online 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Uh, we're up to 2.40 uh, Thank you to Andy Rain from Students for Sensible Drug Policy uh, for donating $10. Uh, you can too 94198377 um, Now there's a couple of events coming up. Uh, Greg uh, in the um, uh, 26th which are uh, 26th of June, which is still what, two weeks away, a week and a half away. Uh, support Don't Punish. It's a, a, an event, a global event. Uh, people around the world put on events, a lot of um, people involved with uh, harm reduction, and the general message of it is... Let's try and support people that uh, have a problem with drugs rather than punish them and make the problem worse. Uh, tell yeah. us about... You've got an event with Yarra Drug Health yeah, Forum. Yeah, we've
7: got an event the day before. We're looking at the issue of compulsory treatment programs for young people. So that's at the Fitzroy Town Hall at 12 o'clock. We've got a number of speakers talking to that issue, which is um, <clears throat> a topic, um, considering we're talking about uh, regressive or repressive um, drug policies the idea of putting young people into compulsory um, drug treatment programs, um, as a, I guess, as, as a form of c- trying to control their behaviour, um, is is quite a contentious issue. So we want to talk about that. And the following day at six o'clock at Melbourne Town Hall, we've got the um, yeah the uh, support, don't punish event. Uh, there's a number of um, agencies that are involved in that. Um, I'm speaking, um, Fiona Patton speaking, uh, we've got Tony Trimmingham, um, we've got a range of speakers, Steph, Michael I think is Short speaking, from the Michael age. Short from the age, wow. uh, your wow. emceeing, Nick, which will be yes. <laughs> uh, a big event, and uh, yeah, I, I guess it's in, the res- in response to, I think, the UN Anti-Drug Trafficking Day, which has in the past been um, a way in which... Some countries, um, I guess, use that as an opportunity to execute um, publicly people involved in the drug Mm. trade. It's
1: pretty shocking, and I'm sure it's going to happen again this year, unfortunately, especially Mm. in um, uh, countries that are just absolutely not supportive of change on drug policy.
7: Well, and and, and countries such as the Philippines and Bangladesh, who are um, slaughtering their um, their, um, citizens in the name of uh, the war on drugs, so... Um, you know, we promote this <clears throat> day because we believe that you know we should obviously be supporting people um, who have drug issues and not and not um, obviously you know um, undertaking or or conducting um, harsh treatments, penalties, sentences, etc., which range, as we know, um, in a lot of countries, um, to to barbaric acts. Uh, you know, mm. people involved in, in drug use.
1: So that's on June 26th uh, for Support Don't Punish. You can get tickets at Eventbrite or jump online and look for Support Don't Punish. Melbourne Town Hall meeting uh, and get along to that one. Uh, We're just about out of time. If you do want to make a final donation, 94198377, and I want to say a big thank you as well uh, to the Victorian Socialists and uh, Grassroots Collective, I think it was, who put on a pill-testing fundraiser last night. Uh, That money, 80%, uh, is going to be donated towards uh, Harm Reduction Victoria to the DanceWise program. Uh, And Steph says, thank you very much. (laughs) And 20% will be going to 3CR. I have asked um, if they know how much yet but uh, everyone hasn't had quite enough sleep yet so they're still, <laughs> they're still working that out um, but it was a it was a really good event and um, uh, it was you know good to see a, a fundraiser for for that sort of thing um, thank you uh, to everyone for coming in today thank um, you, uh, thank again, you. Uh, oh no, I won't go through everyone's name because I'll run out of time. But uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you thank you to you all. Uh, again, 9419 You still do have time if you want to uh, donate, or 3CR.org.au forward slash donate and querying there is up next uh, on 3CR. See you later. Enjoy this rainy afternoon.
8: This is in psychedelia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In will be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday.
3: You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast of Encyclopedia. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.